classes that they've given during the week, we can talk through it and perhaps do some translation or a further conversation um, so that we're sure we're getting the most out of the teaching. Um, Jen and Andy both come from a variety of backgrounds. I know for Andy and Jen as well, conservative, all kinds of direction, and that's such a blessing to us. So it'll be either me or Carrie Patterson or my husband Mike that will start the class. Last week, Andy actually did just an overview. Hopefully all of you who signed up for the email got that PowerPoint in your uh, email. If you want to give us another address, if you haven't signed up for the email, please let me know. But I'm going to turn it over to Jen and get started. Yes, do you have a pocket? So we're going to jump right in, and if you see me scanning the room, my, my family is here today. My husband is checking in for kids to various classes. Oh, there you are. I was looking for you. I can see you were sleeping good. So that makes me feel better to see his face. Um, we are going to be talking about getting close to God, and not just in theory, but really looking at what's true and how to actually practice that truth. And before we get started, um, I want to tell you a story. It's a true story. It's not embellished at all. And I feel like this story really sets up what we're going to do today. So I and Corey, we have four children, three biological. The last one, the youngest, is adopted from China. And you'll see them running around here today, and she's very cute and spunky. And when we w went to get her in China, um, we remember this. We were reminiscing about it this week, we ended up in a, a large city, right in the heart, right in the center of China. And the day that the deal was going to go down, and it is a deal, I will tell you, it feels kind of illegal, even though it is. We were in this six-story, dirty office in this busy, crowded city. And the infrastructure in the middle of China is a little questionable sometimes. And something had gone out with the power, and power wasn't getting pumped into this building. And we knew we had to get to the sixth floor and there's no elevator. And so we are booking it up the stairs because we are going to go get our girl. We had taken 14 months to do it. And we get up in the office and we're doing this transaction and it's, it's kind of broken translation and we have a guide with us. And they had taken the money because she had a debt on her head that says we have to pay this to get her out of the orphanage and into our home. America and so they're doing this transaction and it feels funky and it feels dirty and I remember Corey leaning over and going this is legal right like lots of people do this it feels, really, it feels kind of weird and they have they've done the exchange where the yen the yen these dollars in China are stacking up and they're counting it and there is an exact sum to get her out and we're trying to you know learn how to interact with her and we had our two oldest kids with us and they're they're in it too because they want her out just as badly as we do praise god right and so we do the transaction and the orphanage director she's walking to leave and she turns around and, and corey's over here with our daughter grace and she's kind of just hanging out and i had gone across the room to help my two older kids who at the time were not that old they seemed like adults on that trip but they were tiny and the orphanage director turns around and bends down and looks at my daughter. This is my girl, right? She's already my girl. And she said, Lan Lan, that was her nickname. Lan Lan, 
kind of like, come over here, come over here. This is, come tell me goodbye. You know, we've had this relationship. And I will go ahead and confess, I don't mean to set the orphanage director up like Satan, but she's <laughs> representing that in this story today. I'm sure she's lovely. Because she's like, come back, la la. Like, come give your orphanage director a hug. This is who you are. And our little Grace, who had known her dad, her father, less than 24 hours, wrapped her arms around his leg. This was the only family and the only name she had known. Wrapped her arms around his leg like, no. I don't even know what this means yet, but I know it's better. And across the room, if I could have like spiritually high-fived Corey, I would say, yes, <laughs> yes. Like, she's, she's ours. That's a beautiful picture, right? I would guess that most people in this room, just knowing Otter Creek and knowing the type of people in here, you understand that your debt's been paid for by the Father, right? An exact sum that gets you out of being an orphan and into the good life, into the understanding that you have a Father and your eternity is set. But man, wouldn't it have been so sad if she just stayed below Corey? Wouldn't it be sad if he had not taken the time and she had not been brave enough to learn that this dad who she just knew she could wrap her arms around his leg and it was better there, that he has this habit of coming up behind her and swooping her up and putting her up on his shoulders so she can see better, so she's kind of taken out of the chaos. Wouldn't it have been so sad if she just knew, okay, my debt was paid and I have a family and I have a father, but she had never got to experience that he can sit her up on the counter and teach her how to make the best Rice Krispie treat ever and get all in the goo of the marshmallows and the butter. Wouldn't it be sad if he had not intentionally, because he desired so much to let her know, not only was your debt paid, but oh, I love you. Wouldn't it be sad if he had not worked so hard to build the capacity so that now she's, she's five, she's been with us about four years, that he can put her to bed at night and he gets up close and he sings this lullaby and the words are, hey, beautiful girl, daddy loves you, most beautiful girl. And she can now lock eyes with him and receive that. It took years to get her to do that. We used to do fun little games where I would get up close to her with like my one eye next to her one eye and I would say, look at my silly eye. And it was intentional. I was trying to get her to feel like she could look me in the, in the face so we could make a connection because she had never known a father, a mother. She did not have the capacity. And if we're honest, aren't we kind of like that sometimes in our Christian walk? We know our debt's paid. We know we have eternity on the other side with the Father because of what Jesus has done. But we feel like we, we have to stay kind of down here and not lock eyes. And that's a really normal response. We, we get before the Lord or we try to in our, in our prayer closet or however you meet with him, and it feels kind of empty. And so what we know is that our thoughts, our feelings, how we react and respond and interact with the Father they're affected by everything around us. Grace, our daughter, had no capacity for a father. She had never known one. Some of you in here have phenomenal fathers, really good fathers. You should go home and thank God if you have one. You've had a good father or you have a good father. And even on their best day, 
they've been designed to represent or portray the relationship the Father has with us, but they can miss it, right? And sometimes they don't mean to, sometimes it's not intentional, but it's not the full picture. Some of you have not so great fathers. I think that story is there more often than not because if, if I were the enemy, I would want to rip up that relationship because of what it does. So we know that sometimes our view of the Father, even though we know what we read in here and it kind of sits right here, it doesn't permeate to our inner man. I love that biblical phrase. It doesn't get way down deep because we've been affected. And so in the next weeks here, specifically in the next two weeks dealing with the Father, we are going to look at what's true and we're going to practice what's true. And we're going to practice it in a safe manner. I'm not going to make anybody get up here unless you want to. But we're going to give homework to you so you can start really figuring out, do I stay like grace where I know my debt's been paid? Or am I like this face to face? And am I scared to get face to face because she couldn't do it? I'm talking years before she could really look us in the eye. Here's what's good news. We know scientifically, I know Andy's mentioned brain science before. I don't know as much as he does about brain science, but I know, I know it when it pertains to adoption. And aren't we all adopted in here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, we, and that is not a second class son or daughter. We're gonna talk about that next week. It's actually really great. And so we know that we have been adopted. We know that we have everything that that affords. But we have to build capacity. And we know scientifically, good news, even if you have no capacity, if your dad on earth was horrible, if he was absent, even if he was good but flawed, which is everybody in here, as you get older, you can still rewire capacity. That's the science. I think it's really great to call it renewing your mind. The Father lives to renew your mind and renew this relationship. And to do so, we have to get in proximity. And so it's good, even if you feel like, yeah, I don't know if I can get to the Father when I pray. It's pretty dull. It's pretty empty. That can grow. God made that so we can be intentional about attaching. This past week, I had some of you who are on the email list look at scriptures that remind us who the Father is, what he's really about. And we tend to think about the idea of Father God, more New Testament, because Jesus refers to him that way, that his nature as a father started from the beginning. I mean, in Exodus, he talks about his firstborn, Israel. He speaks to them as sons. He says in Deuteronomy that reminding, remember when I carried you like a father carries a son through the wilderness. Have you ever seen fathers carry sons? They they do it one-handed. I mean, I can't do that. But I have seen my husband, the father, pick up a child one-handed, and they're up, and he's strong, and they can see everything, and he's doing all the work. We love to do all the work in carry ourselves, right? And so the father, his nature as that has been consistent throughout the Bible. One of my favorite pieces of scripture that really shows this, and it's so simple. You try to make it really hard, but it's so simple. I have it on your handout, and you can look there or look in your Bible if you'd rather do that, but Matthew 6, 6 through 9. Can somebody read that? It doesn't have to be that translation. Someone will just read it nice and loud for me. Are there extra copies? Uh, Yes. Some of you may need to share. But 
you when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be Thank you. So what do we know in this scripture about the Father? One, it says, pray to the Father. So we start there. I, I often, I've probably prayed at this point, such a privilege with hundreds of people. And we always have to back up here because if you don't trust your Father, it's really hard, if you don't feel like you can talk to Him, to get any type of freedom or any type of walking by His Spirit, right? So we're instructed right here, you go back to the Father. We know we're supposed to talk to Him, and we know that what? He sees us. Very important. Well, how do I know he's listening? Well, it's right here. He sees us. He's right there. The second one I want to highlight in the scripture. Your father will reward you. There's a great word that we don't use, recompense you. What that really means is, in the, in the translation, to compensate or reward you for a loss or harm. Wow, right? So it's, I think, and at least in my mind, maybe you don't do this, I know in my mind in the past, I have looked at these scriptures and thought, well, yeah, the reward's later on the other side in heaven, right? I'm not really concerned with a loss or harm once I get there. The reward that's going to happen is going to deal with the losses and harm that we see in this life, at least somewhat, right? It's not going to be such a concern on the other side. Another part of that definition it means to deliver, to restore from harm. What sweet words, what sweet promise from the Father, right? The third thing down that list, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so the, the question that begs is, well, why even ask? Why do we need to pray if He knows what we need? My children, and my oldest is almost 14, they ask me every night, are we having dinner? <laughs> yes. When have you not had dinner? And then the second question is, what are you making? And so I think about that just childlikeness, and we're like that with the Lord. Are you going to be with me? Are you going to talk to me? You know, that's a normal human response. Of course I'm making dinner. It's not just dinner, it's Taco Tuesday, and I have guacamole, and I have rice, and I have all the toppings in these really cool bowls, and it is a feast, and it is much better than what you even asked me for. It always is, and I know what you need. There's lettuce. You're going to need some of that. Put it on so you're healthy, but look, sour cream, cheese. Like I am providing everything that you need as a parent, and me being evil, how much more, right? Of course he knows what we need, he knows it better, but it is his delight to give it. Taco Tuesday with the Lord, right? <clears throat> so we know from this scripture, and then on down to verse 9, pray then in this way, and we started with this today, our Father. That's how we start. That is mind-blowing that we can do that, right? Jesus, when he's telling us how to pray here, he's saying, you must get to the Father. Get to Him in simple childlike trust. We have to get there to get our losses restored, to get what we need. He sees us. There's a reward. It makes up for everything bad that's been happening. 
And so I'm just going to talk today a little bit, and we're going to practice this in different chunks. What do we do with this? How do we appropriate this? How do we walk it out? Well, in my opinion, as a human being, you think about the people you love, right? You think about them throughout the day. Don't you? I hope you do. You think about your family, your friends, your spouses, your parents, your children. A little over a year ago, my, my spouse was deployed across the world in Afghanistan. And so when I thought about him in those five months, I pictured him in like a sandstorm like Luke Skywalker, you know, just desert. He was never really in that, but that's how I pictured him in the sandstorm. And then as I saw pictures, I could picture the mountains in Afghanistan and, and the very drab looking base. So when I thought about him in the day, I pictured him there. Now when he's home, I picture him at his office. I picture him with patience. But here's something interesting. Anybody ever fight with your spouse? Just me? I can say it with, with great thanksgiving. We do not fight often, but if we do, it's good because we're both firstborn <laughs> alpha leader types, which means we're always right. And so it's rare, but it's good when we do. And so when we have had some sort of cut in our relationship, I picture him that day at work, but oh, I picture him miserable. <laughs> like just miserable, head in his hands at his desk, like, God, why have I hurt her so? And I'm so wrong. Now, the reality is, he may not be doing that. He may be going, I picture her, she's sitting in a chair and she's repenting for how she's so stubborn, right? And so we know that our human mind, we can mess it up sometimes, what we picture to be true. The same happens with the Father. If you're having a good day and the sun's out and you see the dandelions and the daisies, you picture him as good. But what happens when you've had wounds? What happens when, when something has happened profound in your life and you feel his absence? Or what happens when you've done something wrong and you picture his disappointment? Maybe you even picture that he's ashamed of you, and we'll learn over the weeks that that's not the case. Like Andy said last week, the sin is the problem, you're not the problem, and he exists to separate the two and bring you back into relationship. So we can picture it wrong, but here's what's good about the Lord. He is always about bridging that gap. He's about attachment. He's about being intentional, about building our capacity to get to him. So if you try to picture him, and it feels a little off, that's okay. He's probably likely gonna show you why that's there. Our foundations, if you've looked at this book, there is always a reason. You don't have to worry if you picture him and he looks like an angry warden about to tear you apart. That's not him, but he's gonna show you why, why is that there? It often relates to our earthly fathers, our earthly people in authority, people, our, our gym coach, an old pastor, whatever it is, it gets mixed up in our mind. That's okay. So you picture him. So just for two, maybe not more two seconds, 20 seconds, what we're going to do right now, don't try to do it the churchy way. Don't try to get the right answer. I, I picture him <coughs> like this. I'm just going to have you close your eyes where you're at. And just for some moments, I'm going to do it too. And I'm just going to pray, Lord, we invite you because we trust that you're good and that you'll show us what we need to know. And so just picture the Father. Just think about him. Picture him. 
super spiritual exercise. Just think about the one you love or the one that you know you're supposed to love and just picture him. Okay, I'm going to have you open your eyes just for a second. We'll do it again in a second. So I'm going to make some good guesses. For some of you, that was a little awkward, right? Maybe like Grace, who knows he's a good father, but I can't really do that. I don't have capacity yet to do that. I'm guessing some of you in here do that often, and so it's easy to get there. I want to encourage you, it is, it is an okay thing to start wherever you're starting and begin to think on your beloved. To begin to build your capacity to picture the Father, because isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be imitating Him. We're supposed to be abiding. You actually do relationship with the people you live with, so you picture Him. That verse 9 in that passage. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now I know in a group setting, we do that, and that is a beautiful prayer to do when we're supposed to. One of my personal practices, I have two personal practices that I return to in seasons, just as good spiritual health. One, I go back and I look at the Ten Commandments, and before the Father I go, check me. Where's my heart on these? And I wait and I listen. The second one, which we're going to talk about today, I will get quiet, wherever that looks for you, however that looks, and I can be in chaos and still get quiet, right? That's the beauty of relationship with the Father, but I actually like to get quiet when the kids have gone to school, and I will sit, and I will close my eyes, and I will start that prayer, but I will not move from my Father till it goes from here to here. And in a place of being vulnerable, it would look like this, my Father. And then I'll pay attention. How do I feel about that? Is that real to me? Does it get mixed up with all of these men of authority in my life that maybe haven't done it so great sometimes? And I, I will say, I have a good dad. Not a perfect dad, but a good dad. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. So my picture of the father is decent, but it was lacking because there were some things that didn't line up. And so my father... Lord, get that just from here is knowledge that he is and he paid my debt through Jesus to hear what, what does that look like when you're my Papa, Abba Father. And I will say it over and over and over again until it resonates. And I'll picture him. Now some of you, and I've done this before too, you'll say, how do you picture the Father? It's like glory and light and all that. And it is, and I'm sure it's going to be mind-blowing when we see it without avail when it's not dim but if you look through scripture God is really good about showing us pictures of parts of his nature and personality and so I just tell him I need you to show me today the aspect of your personality that I need to get as you my papa you my father you know Jesus it wasn't really a shepherd right he was a carpenter but that picture is given to, to portray part of his personality that we desperately need to hold on to. God is a shield. He's a rock. He's not physically all those things. He's showing us aspects of his personality. So when you say his name over and over again, you can in faith go, 
you're mind-blowing as a father, but can you bring it in from my feeble childlike head so I can get this today? What do I need to know about you as my dad? What aspect of your personality? My father. When you're doing it by yourself, it's okay to say my. He is your dad. My father. And I'll say it till I can at least on some level, and we give him permission to do it however he wants, on some level, I, I have a soul that begins to get quieted by that. It's not so noisy. I can rest with the Father. And this is supposed to be an emotional response. Corey and I were talking about this this week. Intellectually, we know what a good dad is, right? We know what that looks like. But none of us in here respond as fathers or to our father on just an intellectual level. It's a heart level. It's a love. You don't have to be intentional about your emotions about your dad. The same goes with the Heavenly Father. Say it till it starts to resonate. Say it till it gets in there in your heart. So let's talk about not just saying it and knowing what's true and, and understanding what's true, but it's an issue of proximity. The Bible says draw near. I think a lot of us see ourselves standing on planet Earth and God is way out there past the universe, way out there in the, the heavenly places that are hard to see, and we are going, but he's so far. How do I get there? Look at that next set of scriptures, Hebrew 4, James 4. Hebrew 4, 16, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If something like that is written, I just kind of deduct from that we are naturally estranged from him. We are naturally, because of all the stuff that happens in this world, we're naturally alienated from him, right? If we're instructed, you've got to get back close, often we are, we are far somewhere. Draw near to God, verse 8 from James 4. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Just by show of hands, how many of you have sort of attempted that before and been a little bit disappointed? Right? I can, I, the first memory I have of this, I was about 11, and a great mercy card on my life, I just don't remember a time I didn't love the Lord, and that's all Him. And I was 11, and I had my little white Bible up in my room, and I was like, all right, I'm supposed to do quiet times, here we go. I've been to youth group, I was ready. And I start, and I'm looking at the scripture, and I naturally love the word, it's beautiful, and it's life-giving, right? But when I would look at it and try to have some sort of conversation, I mean, God felt like <coughs> stratospheres away, right? And I remember in my heart going, all right, as best I know at 11 or 12, I'm going to follow hard after you my whole life. But man, there has to be more. And then you start reading Paul's letters, and you're like, what is he doing? Because this does not look like this right here. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And again, you have the picture of, yeah, well, eventually when we die on the other side, we get near to him. But there's too much in these verses. Draw near with confidence so that you can receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. I'm not worried about my help in time of need in heaven. I'm worried about it right now because we are aliens in this very destructive world. I need help right now. So we're going to find help when we draw near. I don't think it's accidental that that scripture is in the same chapter about the believer's rest and the Sabbath rest. 
you know, I think there's a reason they're together. Yes, there's rest over here, but there's specific rest right now. And we're supposed to be diligent to enter into that rest. Let us be diligent to draw near. That's how we get it on this earth right now, today, this afternoon. Be diligent to enter in. So how do we do that? How does that work? Well, again, I'm kind of setting it up for you, at least how I've done it over the years. I think about him. I picture him. And if that picture is a little off from what I know of his nature in here, I start asking him why. God, I'm picturing you, but I feel like I have to jump some hurdles to get, get to you. I know that's not you because you say draw near and, and you will draw near back. What kind of holy father says, come on, but wait 80 years till you die and then I'll, I'll answer. There's nothing fatherly about that. Draw near and I'll draw near to you. He is the reward in Matthew 6. How many of you feel like you partake of that reward daily, that you're lavished by him? It's him. He's the reward. Good. Good, if some of you do. He's the reward. We have to get close. So how do we do it? You think about him. You picture him. And if the picture doesn't line up quite right, you start asking him why. Then you can quiet your soul with the prayer he tells us to pray. My my father and it is our souls that need quieted right our mind gets crazy with the list for the day and all of our anxieties our will we're stubborn people our emotions can be all over the map and how we deal with the father and number three remind him of the truth remind yourself of the truth I don't know how it works for you but I am fond of going God you said that my kids do that to me mom you said you said we were going to do this. You can go to a good father, the great scripture in Luke, where you can go in the middle of the night and you knock and you go, I need bread. I know I don't have bread. You have bread, God. I need bread. I know it's the middle of the night. I know you have it. I know you made it. I know you're the one who's going to give it to me. So you can remind yourself. You can remind him. This is what you say when I draw near. You're going to draw near right back. You say that if I seek you as my father, there's a reward. God, I believe you're the reward. I've only tasted this much of it. I am not satisfied. I, Jen, at 41, am not satisfied, although I've, I've walked in this for some time. I feel like I've got this much of this to get with the father. I still feel like my, my capacity needs to grow in relationship with the father. And then you draw near. So we're going to do that, and I'm not going to make anybody talk this first week. Call that. But I do want you to, it's a hard thing in a room like this to do, but we've got to at least practice it so that you can do it at home, because I really think that's where the money's at. That's where you're going to get it. And so what I'd like you to do is find one or two other people, maybe it's the people you're seated with, just kind of get where you can see them. If you have to move your chair a little bit and make it more intimate, I'm going to ask that you do that in this moment. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You have five seconds to do it. So you can just jump through the awkwardness. Thank <laughs> you.
Introduce yourself. Make sure you know each other. No more than three people, because it'll get too difficult. Three people in your group or less. Everybody got it? Say it again, I'm sorry. I said just no more than three people in a group, because it'll get too hard to do. So three or less people in a group. Make sure you know each other's names. And again, you could do this whole class and never open your mouth. I'm okay with that, but this is church. This is the body. You need to know your people. I think one of the sweetest things is to pray with people and know them. That's, that's what the Bible says to do. So we're going to know our people. And it takes a little bit of vulnerability even just to sit in a small group if you don't know them. So I get that. We're going to work into it. And so here's the deal. I love to make deals. I make deals with the Father all the time. That may not be holy, but it works for us. So here's the deal that I'm going to make with you guys. We're going to try some things specifically this week and some next. And I hope that you will try some of it at home by yourself or with a trusted friend or family member. If by week three, given it three weeks, this is the deal me and the Lord made about this, three weeks. If by week three, you are not in closer proximity to the Father, you're not better than when you started, you have permission, and Corey and I talked about this, you can come over to our house and we will sit till we get there, okay? I know it's awkward to do it in here. Some of you might do it up here and that's great. But it is okay to be stuck, and it happens a lot, and there is always a reason, and it is not your fault, and it does not put you on the B team in Christianity. It doesn't mean that you can't ever be an elder. Like, you can get somewhere, okay? And there's a reason, and it's the Lord's delight to figure out the reason in the body with people. We need each other. We need Him, okay? So if you get nowhere, if I'm just going to think of the worst possible thing, if you practice this and it's blank, or you practice it and you see a big scary God going, you are awful, I can tell you I have seen both of those a thousand times when people do this. It's okay. There's a reason. And so we got we to practice it a little bit. So that's the deal. Three weeks. If you're stuck, I will give you my cell, my email. You can come over and we will figure it out. Corey's all in. God is permission. There are other people in here I know who will do that as well. I just didn't ask them if that was okay. So I'll put other people out there too. Here's the deal. When you try to seek the Father, we give him permission. We don't stay his hand. I fear the Lord in the great kind of fear too much to say, God, you're going to do it this way. I would not dare. But we give him permission to speak in every way we know he does. Some of you will have a sense about him. That's sweet, right? He restores my soul. You will have some sense of restoration that's biblical. Some of you work that way. Some of you might hear something in your head that's still small voice, right? The Bible says he does that. And we always talk about that that voice comes in so fast we can't argue with it, and it's always a better idea than what we had. So that's helpful to know if it's him. We couldn't premeditate it how quickly and gently and just much better than our ideas come. So he may do it that way. Some of you, just like during the day you are going about your day and you think about the one you love, some of you will see it in your mind's eye, your imagination. And if that's a little concerning or freaks you out, I get it. But we let Jesus sanctify every part of our walk. Wouldn't we want him to sanctify this because this is where the battle happens, right? Think about how much you use your mind. Think about all the crazy things you imagine. 
right? That, that, that big famous thing that's going to happen. Think about how your mind plays it out. Wouldn't you want him to just be in charge of that? So you may close your eyes and start to pray and picture something. And maybe you say, well, what if I picture him as this? God's really consistent in the Bible about showing his nature in inanimate objects, in jobs, you know, shepherd, rock, shield. He can do that. It's going to line up with his nature. And if it does, and your friends around you go, yeah, that sounds like God. Seems good to me and the Holy Spirit. Andrew has said before. Then you can trust it, especially if you start to feel some restoration in your soul. Okay? So we're going to give him permission. You might get all three. He might show you something that hasn't happened. He might show you something that has happened. He can do that. He's the author of time and space. Right? So we're just giving him permission. We're clearing it a little bit. So I'm going to have you guys, you're going to do it individually and then you're going to talk about it for a little bit and then we'll see if anyone wants to share. I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes, not because you have to, but it just keeps you from being distracted. (coughs) I'm just going to pray for a second. Lord, again, we invite you. We want to be people who walk by your spirit and to do that, we know we have to go to you first. And we invite you And so friends, as we do that, we start to think about the Father again. Picture him. And I know it's awkward in here. You can tell him that. God, this is kind of awkward, but I'm going to do it. Picture him. Think about him. Pay attention to how you feel and what you hear and what you see. Some of you may need to call him by name. You can do it quietly under your breath or silently in your head. Just so that everything lines up with what's true. He is your Father. Abba, Father, God. And you just tell him, my Father. And if you're like me, some of you may need to remind yourself what is true. You can tell yourself some of the scriptures you looked at this week or the ones this morning. You can tell them back to him like you're knocking and asking and seeking. He likes relentless children in this way. And then when you're ready, draw near. You are doing what he says to do. Draw near. And he knows what you need before you ask him. So it's going to look and feel and sound and sense like you and him. Because you're a specific child and he's perfect. Draw near. What does that look like? What does that feel like? What do you hear? If some of you have trouble drawing near and bridging that huge chasm that we feel sometimes, 
ask Jesus to help you. Because in those verses before, he is the great high priest that has given us access to approach with confidence. That word translated means freely, without fear, without holding anything back. That's why he died and rose, so that you may draw near. Some of you in here feel like you have to take baby steps, like little steps to get closer. That's okay. We're building capacity. Just draw near. Open your eyes. And I'm trusting out of a group of three, one person at least is brave enough to tell the other two what that looked like. There's going to be a million different responses. It's all okay. Just share for a couple seconds what that looked like, either in picturing him or drawing near. Getting ready to draw near, then you put some other put some other thing for me to absorb in my head. I, I was trying to get like people that were stuck. I know. So I you can, yeah, you and have, I, and, and I'll, I say see, that, I'll say that next week. You have permission to ignore me. It's, it's tough. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know it perfectly. Yeah, but I could. thank you. No, that's actually good to hear. Thank you. 
or driving to work, picture the father. Start building capacity there. If you're stuck, I wrote that down there. Sin, especially secret, unconfessed sin, it will get you stuck. Call somebody. Confess it. Um, confess it to the father, but it's really freeing to tell someone else. You can tell us. I promise you there's not a sin we have not heard. We have worked with college students. We have heard it all. So your sin is no worse than anybody else's. Unforgiveness. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks, but just kind of know if I'm stuck, do I harbor some unforgiveness? Ungodly beliefs. God, you talk to everybody else in here, but not me. No, no, that's not what it says. So really pay attention to what you're thinking there. And wounds. God has a special heart for them. We're going to talk about it next week when we talk about being sons and daughters. Just know, give yourself grace. If you're stuck, all of those may play into it. But practice. Keep talking if you can. Bless you. Thank you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>